Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I want to welcome everybody to the Librarian Influencers Podcast, and today I'm very excited to have Jen Roth with us from Pennsylvania. So Jane, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background in the library. Well, first I graduated from Kutztown University with my undergraduate degree in library science. I took on the position of a long-term sub until the end of that summer. I then accepted a position in Gettysburg Area School District as an elementary librarian, K-5. to Six years later, I was a wife and mother of two, (laughs) and I wanted to move back home to be around my family. Uh We decided if I could find a position, we would move back, and sure enough, I was offered a position in North Penn School District at North Wales Elementary School, K-6. to This is my third year there, and I couldn't be more satisfied with my decision to take this position and be near my family again. I completed my master's degree in library science through Clarion University. I'm always pursuing professional development opportunities to continue growing. I'm actively involved in Pennsylvania School Library Association as a committee member, conference presenter and a mentor for the School Librarians Leadership Academy. Mm -hmm. I was on the committee for updating the model curriculum for learners in Pennsylvania school libraries. I'm the Pennsylvania ambassador for copyright and creativity for ethical digital citizens. And overall, I'm an educator, mom, wife, friend, and most importantly, I'm passionate about everything and I love being around people. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned that, that you went to the library and then later got your master's. So in Pennsylvania, you can, what, what, is, what are the rules there? Or do you, are you familiar? To just, you know, well, in Pennsylvania, you can graduate with your bachelor's in library science and become a librarian, depending okay. on which school district. Some districts do require a master's and some districts require just your bachelor's degree in library science. Okay. You must have a teaching certificate, a passing score on the library science practice. Okay. And same as a classroom teacher in Pennsylvania. In order to earn your teaching certificate, you need to complete a state program, gain experience through student teaching, and receive a passing score on the state certification test in reading, writing, and math. Okay. Very good. So you've got a lot of credentials stacked up then. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very good. Well, you can talk about either one of the first years because you mentioned that you had moved, but what are your early memories about when you first opened up a library, when you first go to to work in the library? I remember being young and excited. (laughs) And I wanted to make an impact on every child and I wanted to do everything. Uh, I couldn't attain, I could not contain my enthusiasm for the position and I wanted to do everything to make the library the best place on earth. I remember lesson planning, the late nights, learning the new curriculum, trying to remember everyone's name. And then I remember teachers commenting, why are you doing that? Is a librarian supposed to do that? I was a 21st century librarian and wanted the library to be more than just story time, check out a book and read. We did projects, hands-on activities, games. I implemented technology. And I remember the day my principal said to me, Jen, You are the loudest librarian I've ever met. (laughs) I took that as a compliment. (laughs) My enthusiasm for learning made an impact on my students. The library was a fun, welcoming place to be. Students were engaged, excited to be there, and most importantly of all, they were embracing their love of reading. That's awesome. So when you think back to yourself at that time, is there any kind of advice that you would send back in time to yourself? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, one thing that worked really well was getting involved in every aspect of the community to build relationships. I went to the PTO meetings, I volunteered, I asked for parent volunteers, I introduced Web 2.0 tools to students, joined the tech committee, organized the after school program, invited guest readers, anything and everything I could do to advocate the library. Okay. However, you also learn your first year as well. And so one thing that stuck out to me that didn't work very well was I updated the collection right away. I wanted to get rid of all those old books, anything that looked outdated and worn out. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, I then had teachers asking for them. I didn't have them anymore. So I had to purchase the same books again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so take your time to get to know your staff and your students before taking anything out of your collection. Yeah, that is very good advice, yes. And there's ways you can run different reports um, with your circulation system too to like find out, but you don't know that, you know, in the beginning that you can look at um, before you take it, decide to take it out, you can look and see well, how much has it circulated in the last year and then you might be surprised. So, but I know I did not know that, you know, at the very beginning, you know, when I was starting out myself. Um, so I call this podcast the Library Influencers because we have so much influence on our campuses. Uh, we, we just impact so many different areas. So kind of describe the impact that you have where you are. Well, I feel that I'm a very positive influence for my campus, for my building. I'm an innovator. I'm a team player. I provide professional development on my own time based upon teacher needs. Mm -hmm. I'm the unofficial tech go-to person in my building. Since I get to work with everyone, I know who does what, who can help with what. I give credit to where credit is due. I also publish a monthly reading newsletter for the staff. The newsletter promotes staff book recommendations, reading strategies for students, tech tips, and more. Nice. Wow. You, you, that is a whole lot. How, how do you manage your time to do all that? Do you have it like scheduled down to the, the minute? <laughs> well, that brings me back to one thing that might be good advice for a new librarian is I believe good things grow in time and just prioritizing was definitely something that I would probably have done differently my first year. I felt like the first year I wanted to do everything in one day. I wanted to be the person everyone came to and I would make myself these sticky notes and I would put them on my desk and then I would not leave until they were all done at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And as being young and not having a family at that time, that was doable. But then over the years, I realized I needed to make a full list and prioritize what is important that needs to get done today and what needs to wait until tomorrow. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Nice. So I know you're home now. All of us are home doing our remote learning. Um, but is there any kind of influence that maybe you're already thinking about for when we are back in school next fall? Something you oh, need to work on? Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, there's a lot of influence that I'm trying to make on this year. One of my main goals is being able to continue building those relationships with my staff and student mm -hmm. because I want to focus on expanding our reading culture in our school even more because I want readers to grow into lifelong readers, not just because they have to read. I want them to be reading for pleasure. Yeah. So I am working with our reading specialist and some other colleagues in our building trying to do different things to make this happen and you know some of the things that I have been brainstorming or I have done this year is bulletin boards series of the week reading programs trivia question of the week book talks introducing students to new genres 
purchasing books on student interests, giving students a voice to choose what they want to see in our library and putting in the book recommendation then. Right. And then, of course, working closely with our reading specialists to brainstorm ideas. Yeah. So, and I know that you're home, like I just mentioned, but is there, how are you trying to support that right now from home? Well, right now what we are doing is I created a flip grid, which I have different staff members adding to a book read aloud. And therefore, I have students who are going on to the flip grid and listening to a story from home. And then they can share their ideas on that flip grid of what their favorite part of a story was or just saying a friendly hello to a staff member. Okay, nice. I haven't thought of using Flipgrid for story time, so that's, that's a really good idea. Um, well, you mentioned reading a lot, that's, so obviously that is something you're very passionate about. Tell, start talking to us a little bit more about reading in your library. Well, I read to my students every single day. I do teach in a K-6 school, and I know that in kindergarten when you ask them, you love reading, right, or let's read a book, they go, yay, they're all excited about it. But when you talk about reading in fifth or sixth grade, they're like, oh. oh. And so I read to my students every single day. I value the fact that they are exposed to books. And if they're not reading themselves, I feel it's important them, for them to be read too. Everything I do in my library stems from reading. I know a lot of libraries are implementing the STEM programs, research projects. They teach information literacy skills. And they thrive to prepare students for the real world. Even though I teach all those topics myself, again, I keep reading at the forefront of my curriculum because that is the most important thing in my library. Okay, can you think back to um, before we all went home, um, like an example lesson to kind of help us understand a little bit of what you're saying, how reading is a part of everything? Absolutely. So we are doing research projects in library and we were researching biography people and therefore, I was doing a read aloud for biography people each library class before we got into our research projects. Okay. Another example is implementing STEM with all of your reading activities. So if I read a book, then I will do a little spinoff activity with it. So for example, we read a book about the cloud artist, and then afterwards, I let the students take cotton balls and create their own cloud okay. pictures using the cotton balls, just yeah. as it was in the book. Okay. Now, are you trying to connect any of this with what's going on in the classrooms, or are you totally running your own program with whatever you've got in mind, or what's, what's the connection there? Well, some things I do by myself, and then a lot of things I try making the connection in the classroom. Okay. So, therefore, when the classroom teacher is talking about fables, I tried reading a book on fables. If the classroom teacher is doing a science project on clouds or earth or volcanoes or space, then I will also be reading a book and doing that as well. One thing that I did this year was our first grade class was reading about space and therefore reread a couple space books. And then students had to change the setting of the book to pretend that their character was in space. Okay. <laughs> that's, I can, that's a fun twist to do that kind of thing. That's a lot of fun. Um, so with, with our first year listeners, or our early career listeners, you know, and they're thinking about what you just said, you know, connecting with the classroom teachers, doing what they kind of connecting to what they have going on. How, how do you find out what's going on in the classroom? I will have to say that collaborating with colleagues does not happen overnight. Yeah. It's definitely something that you need to build relationship with your coworkers. And then eventually you just find those opportunities to collaborate. 
I know for a fact that our school has fourth grade does a science PSSA mm -hmm. test. And so I speak with the fourth grade teachers and I said, what do you feel that you're missing in your curriculum or you don't get to touch base on as much? Because I want to focus my research project with my fourth graders on that topic, mm. not just pick a random topic that I thought would be cute or to be able to do. Yeah. Um, I also try eating with some teachers at lunch. I like to discuss with them or I'll listen to at faculty meetings of what is happening in the classroom. And sometimes you just have to be a little spy and just get in there and figure out what they're doing and, mm -hmm. and then offer your help and guidance. Um, a lot of times I will do the research aspect for an English project or social studies, and then they'll take all the research and they'll bring it back to the classroom to complete the essay or the writing assignment that's due. Okay. So is your schedule fixed or flexible or in between? I have a fixed schedule. Okay. Okay. Because that can make a difference, you know, and, it, and I think you have to work a little bit harder, you know, when it's, when it's a fixed schedule like that to, to find ways. Um, I've heard people talk about that they'll walk the halls, you know, and just peek in the doorways whenever they get a chance and see, see what's on the bulletin board or what's written on the whiteboard, uh, you know, just to kind of get a feel for the things that are coming up. But with time, like you just said, you've been there a couple of years, you know, this fourth grade project's coming up. Um, eventually, you just kind of get the feel, you know, for things that are going on uh, to, to start connecting to them. But it, it can be harder at the beginning as you're trying to build those relationships and, um, because you want to be their partner, you know, you want to be their instructional partner. It's something, something pretty important. Um, so do and you have any, the, oh, go ahead. One of the other things that I really try focusing on is if I know that there's a teacher in our building who struggles a little bit more with technology than another, what I'll try doing is I'll try implementing a technology tool in the library, teach it to them. And so that way, when I discuss it with the teacher, I can say to her, or him, this is what we did in library. They already know how to use it, and therefore you can now use it in your classroom. And I get very positive feedback, very good positive feedback about that. That's a good strategy, yeah. So do you have any other first steps that you would recommend for our listeners? One thing that I have done is setting a five-year goal or plan for your library. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to go into your library and you're going to feel overwhelmed because you want to make changes that adapt to you, changes that adapt to your students. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I can think of immediately is that when I first got into the library that I'm currently at, there was no reading area for my students. There was nowhere for them just to sit and read. There was no carpet, no reading furniture. And therefore, I made a five-year plan and I discussed it with my principal and he liked it. And he was very supportive of all the steps that I had to take in order to make this happen. And three years later, we now have a reading area with carpet and furniture and a spot for my students to sit down and, and just enjoy the reading and not have to sit at a table or chair. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, when you're at home and you're reading, you're not sitting at your kitchen table reading. Right. You usually are on your couch or your furniture or sometimes laying on the floor, <laughs> whatever is most comfortable to you. Definitely. And that I'm sure that five-year plan makes a good impression on your administrator too, you know, that they see that you're being strategic, that you've thought this through, not just asking for money. <laughs> you know, well, absolutely. And also because when they hired you, they also probably had a vision for the library. And therefore, it's important for you to figure out what is their vision of a library? What is your vision? And how can you come together to make it your vision together as the school and what's best? Because 
you're new, they've been there probably for years, and therefore they know the students best, and over time you will also learn them as well. But I think that just working together and collaborating with your principal and then other staff members in your building to get their input really doesn't make it just your library, it makes it everybody's library. That's true, very good point. Uh, so you've shared a lot of good ideas and I know earlier you had mentioned you're very involved in your state library association. So could you describe to us a little bit about what you do so you can keep learning and growing because you've got a ton of ideas. Where, where is this all coming from? Well, I am very active on Twitter. I was not active on Twitter. I found Twitter very confusing at first. However, <laughs> now that is where I go to. I'm still a big Pinterest fan. I'm still loving my Pinterest. I also go to professional conferences. PSLA has been a huge help to me being able to have that network of librarians to reach out to when you have an idea or a thought or maybe you just need somebody else's opinion from outside the district. I read professional books. I discuss things with my colleagues. I go to workshops. I present at workshops. And just anything that I possibly can to absorb the information. So Jen, you've just had so many different ideas. You've shared so many things. I'm sure that you've really inspired a lot of our listeners today. So if they want to connect with you some more, uh, where can they find you online? You've mentioned Twitter, so give us a little bit of your contact info. Okay, so I can be found at my Twitter handle of at jroth, R-O-T-H-0-8-0. I'm also actively on Facebook with a library page there. It's facebook.com slash jroth080. I also have a, an Instagram account of jroth080. And my elementary school library website is always wonderful to go to. I have all my STEM activities on there. Okay. I also have all my library stations on there. And that is sites.google.com slash npen.org slash n-w-e-s libraries. And then I am also on Pinterest because I feel that Pinterest has done a lot for me in my first couple of years mm -hmm. that I want to continue giving back to those first year librarians by posting a lot of the things that I do on Pinterest as well. All right. Well, we will post all of these links on our show notes for this um, podcast and our listeners can go there. And I love that you are willing to share your, your STEAM activities and your um, your center. So that's really, when you're starting out, you're like, you don't know what to do. <laughs> so that's awesome that you're offering that up to everybody there. So thanks for your time today. I really appreciate talking to you, Jen. And I look forward to learning from you later. Bye-bye. Thank you very much.